0: Hello, and welcome to episode 127 of Craft, Cook, Read, Repeat, a conversation about crafting food and books. I'm Monica. And I'm Courtney. Today is Thursday, October 26th, 2023. A big thank you to all of our listeners, both old and new. We hope this podcast will continue to be something you put on repeat. How's it going, Courtney? Pretty good. No complaints. You like it because it's chilly. It's beautiful.
1: It's super crisp and clear. You can see straight out to the Farallons. I haven't seen the Farallons in a while. I don't know about you. Yeah, it is a fall
0: kind of day. Yeah, it's perfect. Which, since it's the end of October,
1: it's I about guess, time.
0: Is, is appropriate. No complaints. Yeah. So our weather is as it should be, and uh, the podcast is pretty much just going to be uh, normal and uh, ideal as well. Although we do have a little special surprise coming up in on the table. <gasps> It's going to be fun. So we will start with on the needles, then on the easel, then on the table, and then on the nightstand. So on the needles, I have had some chance to work on both pairs of socks that I am working on. First is the Vanilla is the New Black by Anna Fletcher, and then it picks Felici Beyond the Wall, which is three shades of gray and three shades of aqua, lovely self-striping, I'm on the second sock of that one. I have started the heel increases. It's coming along slowly, but surely. I should be able to get some more work done on that in the uh, upcoming week. So those should be off the needles pretty soon. Then I've got a little bit of work done on my diamonds in the light socks. The, that pattern is by Lisa K. Ross, Paper Daisy Creations. And the yarn is Candy Skein Creations, Yummy Fingering in the colorway Goonies Grub, which I think last time I said it was kind of an olive green. And it's, there's so many colors in there. I was looking at it as I was working on it, thinking my description just was not quite right. So there's kind of sagey green and yellow, and there's some reds and blues. And it's, it sounds like a mess, but it's just grubblicious. I'm going to call it. Uh, so it's a, it's a nice Halloween color. At least it is in my mind. And the pattern creates diamonds. So we will see. If I can finish this by October 31st, then I will get bonus points in the pigskin party. So I am hoping to do that. I'm going to start focusing on that one. I am only on the leg of the first sock, but they are toe up, so I am more than halfway done with the first sock. So theoretically... If I did nothing but knit, I would definitely be able to finish them. Obviously, that's not going to happen, so we will see, but it's still possible because it's a, now that I kind of know the pattern and I can get into the rhythm of it, I should be able to make some good progress, especially if I focus on that. And I, I have a couple of nights where I have something going on, but I also have some where I don't, so I have a decent amount of knitting time. Um, So wish me luck with that. I'll still be able to get regular points whenever I finish them. I just, I would like to get the bonus points, you know, for these things. Of course. Obviously. And just, you know, the satisfaction of having finished a pair of socks. Well, in a month. I could totally do that. I did sock madness after all, but... Finishing them while working on other things would be most exciting. But the reason I haven't made much progress on those is that I have been focusing on my suspicion shawl, which is the clue-themed mystery knit along from Forbidden Fiber. Finished that last night. So cool, I'm very excited about it. So this was a kit. You got one big skein of yarn and 12 mini skeins, and it was kind of a countdown to Halloween package. I think I said this last time I was a little worried about all of those colors and how nicely they would play together, and I think it worked out really nice. It's it. Some of them are a little brighter than others and pop, but mostly they're a nice kind of subtle bunch of shades. The main color is uh, off-white with speckles, and then there's just some variegated ones and some solids, and the construction of it is very cool as well. You start off and you're making a basic triangular shawl. You're increasing along one side and you get to a certain point and you go back down and do decreases and it creates a triangle, which is classic. But as I was doing it, we started decreasing on, I don't know, day four, day five. There's 13 clues for the pattern total, much sooner than I would have thought. And then we got to day eight and we bound off. So we had a little little mini shawl, and I'm thinking, what are we going to do next? Obviously, there's something, because she had said she was very excited about the design for this mystery shawl. And what you end up doing is picking up stitches along the pointy part of the triangle, and then knitting on a giant border. So it's a really big triangular shawl with a cool design. Part of the design is horizontal, and the other rest is vertical, so you've got... It's just really great. I posted some pictures. Not really great pictures. It definitely needs to be blocked because it's all kind of squishy and wonky, especially where I picked up the stitches, but that's a that's a me problem. So I think some blocking will straighten that out. But I'm excited to be done with that. It's very it's, cool. It's so fun. And it's it's eighteen hundred yards, so it's a lot of yarn. So it is you can totally wrap it all up around you. And so it's 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 a big shawl and be very comfy cozy and
1: it's a good color spectrum for fall winter yes it's it's just really flattering colors and
0: i'm very excited about it yeah i think they all work well together you don't necessarily feel like there's a million crazy colors in there which sometimes happens when you're trying to blend a bunch of mini skeins so yeah so that was really fun i'm i'm Excited about that, and then um, once I can get those socks done, I can (laughs) finally start working on a sweater for me, or I'm sure I've got other projects. I feel like there was something I was going to start November 1st, and I can't remember what it was, so we'll find out maybe next time, (laughs) if I remember. Otherwise, I'll just uh, pick something else to work on. How about you? I know you have some on the needles. I picked up my
1: 7 sweater Mm. for folks who are new here. I have a sweater that I've been working on for 13 years, (laughs) something like that. that. We've lost count. It's seven-eighths complete, maybe more, and I'm just have to do the collar, but I keep messing up, speaking of picking up stitches, I just keep messing it up. Can I live with that mistake? It's right here. It's right on my collarbone, and there's a good chance that the collar will cover it, but... I just have such a roadblock with this sweater. So I kept going. I don't know if I'm going to take it off and do it again. And maybe what I need to do is put a, what do you call it? The safety yarn? Waist
0: yarn.
1: Waist yarn in a contrast so that I can see which stitches I'm supposed to pick up because you you have to knit those two together right from the get-go. And I think maybe I keep forgetting Which two I'm on and then skipping. I don't know what I'm doing.
0: Oh, yeah. Like if you put another set of needles even in there.
1: Yes. Anything. Yeah. Any any breadcrumb. So I think that I want to keep going with this. The problem with it, (laughs) there's so many problems with it, but it's really heavy now. So it's not like I can take it with me. This is a park myself somewhere and just get it done. Except this is my busiest season. Let's be real. I also, I, I had this goal to make a new garment every month. And that kind of got wrangled around in the summertime. And now this, this month, I don't think I've made anything from scratch because I completely foibled a blouse that I was working on and scrapped it entirely, but I have done tons of mending and that's been really satisfying. I hemmed a pair of jeans that were too long. I took in a pair of pants. I fixed the waistband on a pair of dressy pants and I've worn them twice, which was awesome. free Free clothing. I also hemmed those, which allowed me to fix the waistband. It had a curved waistband, which means that it Goes from your hip measurement and then curves into your waist. And that is uncomfortable for me. I like a straight waistband that is just straight. (laughs) And so what I did was I took off the excess on the pants. So I had a little excess fabric. And I stitched in these little wedges, if you will, into the waistband on either side seam to give it a little more room so that it doesn't curve in and cut off my circulation basically. And they are so much more comfortable and wearable and I am happy and I've worn them twice. So I did the waistband and then I went and finished the hem because you should always do your waist before you make any other alterations. I have to say they fit amazing. Before I just didn't ever wear them because they were a little uncomfortable and it, I was kind of chasing my tail on it. I'm so glad that I did this alteration. And now I have another pair of pants that had the same problem and I'm doing the same thing and I'm thrilled. So, While this is not a made from scratch, it is kind of a major overhaul because I took the waistband off completely in order to do this as proper as possible as you can do an alteration like this. Win-win. And then Monica has this adorable, gorgeous, black velvet opera cape that she wore one night when she and I went to the ballet. And I was fawning over it and thinking I should make myself a cape. And it's it's just adorable. It's vintage. It has like a a buttery yellow taffeta lining. But as she said that night when we were at the ballet, it has no pockets, which is a crime against humanity. It's
0: just wrong.
1: And so I offered to put pockets in and I went and found some really pretty floral silk with moths and frogs on it. Although now we can't find the frog. We've lost the frog in the pocket. And I put pockets in. And so now the life of it has fully
0: extended. Oh, it's so exciting. I'm going to take it on a test run this weekend. Boy 2's opera debut is happening. Two shows are sold out. The third is almost sold out. Very exciting. So I will wear that to the opening night. And this was a good exercise for me. Like it was a
1: low stakes exercise in sewing silk. That's not a material that I normally reach for because it's so slinky and slippery. It's not really an everyday fabric for me, but I was thrilled to do a small project with silk and I was thinking about different ways to seam the pockets and I ended up doing French seams, which is very Monica. I think it just came out really nice. I used silk thread for this which i only had one color so it's hot pink silk thread
0: you can't Ooh, tell i kind of like that though
1: and it was just a delightful project so thanks for entrusting me with your gorgeous opera cape thanks for making pockets
0: everything sure. needs easy pockets.
1: everything needs pockets yes
0: oh it's so much needles this time
1: yeah it's just a lot of mending it doesn't feel very exciting but i have to say making things more useful Is part of this process for me, right? Yes. That's the whole point. Okay. On the easel, I finished the rabbit for the rabbit show. Wow. This was really tough. I had a rabbit tureen in a still life with a bouquet of flowers and a field guide because I love an occasional field guide. It wasn't working. I think it was the flower arrangement. I think the rabbit wasn't lively enough because it was a ceramic soup tureen and it just I couldn't make it work totally completed the thing and then was really crushed when I just didn't feel like it was special enough to put into a show so I redid the whole rabbit piece which was a lot of work because I had been (laughs) so deeply committed to the first one. I thought about rabbit carousel animals. I thought about real rabbits. I thought about rabbits and water globes. You name it, it probably crossed my mind. Where I landed was a bowl and a bell. So a friend of mine who makes beautiful ceramics had posted a bowl of hers ages ago. I asked for permission to use it in a still life. Just use the photo as reference. And she said, of course. And so that was the centerpiece of it. And then I found this bell that hit, either has a goat or a fox. I can't really tell. And that moved in. And then it was just choosing the right rabbit. And I knew it all came together when one of my kids called and was like, oh, what are you painting today? And I said, well, I have a rabbit who's talking to this goat bell about these cherries that they just found. And then I knew it worked because I had like this weird little connection between the three. And so that goes into the rabbit show as soon as I can mat and frame it, which is hopefully this afternoon. That show opens, I think, November 10th, and it's over at the Bench Gallery f- at Phase Video, the second half of November. And then November is also gouache Yes, it is. So we're really excited about that. We are gearing up for a month of daily gouache painting, um, and even though I have a little trip in there, I'm trying to plan for that because it's really important for me to show up for that community and... And be a co-champion for all things gouache. We are populating the gouachevember account now with some of our preparation work. And I'm doing this with Daria Penta, who is the fearless gouachevember list maker every year. And then I'm working on a series. The flora, fauna, and the occasional field guide is also coming together. And that has been a goal to do of floral paintings since the beginning of the year. And I've got one on the easel right now that I am so in love with. (laughs) I don't know what to do for the background and that's my only hiccup, but I think I'm just going to keep going, keep moving on and maybe leave it or think on it a little bit more. So really exciting easel stuff. I feel like I'm painting a good six hours a day right now, which is my max sort of, if I'm going to think about anything for dinner
0: so that slides us into on the table i only have one thing this time (gasps) because i had a bunch of stuff going on like we went out to dinner and then i was sick for a few days and then i was traveling and i mean i could tell you about the delicious food i had while on my little girls weekend so well it was interesting to see what i make when i don't have any time to plan or any desire to cook because you know you get back from vacation and you're just like uh, I don't I don't want to do anything <laughs> I'm still not ready to re-enter the world so in that in that sense it was kind of interesting and then I had a thing I was going to make I think it was a Smitten Kitchen recipe it was like a wild mushrooms uh, over baked potatoes but I forgot to buy baked potatoes so I had all these mushrooms and had to figure out what to do with them instead which I did but that wasn't what I was going to talk about so it was lots of. Like what what are my actual go to's was kind of an interesting process, anyway, the thing I actually made is from Veg Forward because of course, uh roasted butternut squash with quinoa crunch, and it was this was mostly about the quinoa crunch for me because I mean, the roasted squash was roasted butternut squash. I love roasted butternut squash though, oh, it's delicious, and it's you know back. Showing up in my produce box, very exciting. The actual recipe is for honey nut, which oh, is I l- I have not had it yet. I feel like I've seen it in the produce box once and never again. And then I they're so tiny though, right? Yeah, I think yeah they're smaller. I- they're supposed to be very tasty, but she said you could use it with whatever you wanted, and I had butternut, so that was fairly easy choice. And then you take quinoa and you basically pan fry it and get it nice and crunchy. Mine did not turn out super crunchy. I'm not sure what I did wrong. Maybe too much oil. I don't know. Maybe I just didn't cook it long enough because I was afraid of it burning because it feels like one of those things where it could just go from crunchy to burnt super quickly. So I think I erred on the side of not quite as crunchy, but it was still tasty. And you also add pumpkin seeds and chopped up mint and yogurt and then if you want to, you can throw some sriracha or other hot sauce on there. So that was nice. And then I had made a roasted chicken. That was one of my go-tos the night before. So we had some leftover meat protein for those of us who wanted it, i.e. Boy 2. That worked out really well. It was just, you know, you guys know by now, that's what I like. Just a little extra something to perk up an otherwise normal routine cooking thing. That's all for me. <laughs> How about you? I
1: only have a couple more recipes because I also was traveling and I think the highlight of our trip food wise was that I found an excellent breakfast burrito. Mm. I had wine, which I do not normally do, but I can't even tell you what it was because I didn't make note of it. Although somebody at the table is going to send me a photo of the label because it was really lovely and that is not The norm for me. I did, however, make a spicy stir-fried chicken and Brussels sprouts. Kind of a one-skillet wonder. It was gingery with carrots. And I used a little bit of soy sauce and just a little bit of sesame oil. I served it with rice with green onions and cilantro on top. I mean, this was kind of a... It wasn't super... Asian. Mm. I I mean, you know, I think it was just sort of
0: vaguely Asian flavors.
1: Vaguely, yeah. Veering into that territory. We loved the ground chicken.
0: So I did ground chicken. I was going to ask. Interesting.
1: So it came together really quickly. It was delicious. And
0: what did you do with the Brussels?
1: I sliced them really thinly and tossed them in, and they cooked so fast. And they were really bright and vivid in with this mock stir fry it wasn't really a stir fry i did it in a cast iron i don't really know the exact definition of a stir fry i kind of yeah. just sauteed it all together yeah i like it It was delicious though sounds good. and then we did a chicken curry a roasted red pepper curry that i found from is it is it thai kitchen is the brand i think it was super, the recipe called for a yellow curry and I used this red pepper one cause it was also mild and we loved it. This I did with sort of cut up chicken breasts and I really wish that I had added them much later because this was another scenario where the I'm waiting for the kid to come home from school and the chicken got a little tough in the waiting part. I sauteed off some power greens and added them heavily to our bowls, just sautéed with a little bit of garlic and olive oil, trying to get those leafy greens in. This is the Kale Chronicles. It's It was an easy way to add greens to it. Nothing special. But the chicken curry flavor was... Especially a, if you're dumping curry sauce on it. Right. It's, yeah, slam dunk if you're putting curry sauce on it. I was I'm a huge fan of curries right now. It seems to be a good thing for me for this season. Very flavorful. That's one that we'll definitely
0: repeat. Excellent. And then it's okay that we don't have too much to talk about because we have an interview. Do you want to introduce it since it's it's your interview? Sure. Monica had the great idea a couple weeks ago
1: for me to interview Nathan, who is my 19-year-old kid who's away at college and he while he's only a sophomore he's living off campus and not on a food plan he lives with four roommates three of them cook well two of them along with Nathan cook one of them eats a lot of reheated items and the kids are having such a great time with this I think the only notation for this interview is that Nathan's roommate Maddox, who's also in the interview, has a disorder called PKU where his body cannot break down any kind of food with protein. And so he eats a lot of garlic bread (laughs) and pasta, and he is really open about it. He requires a daily enzyme formula, I guess, to help his body continue functionality. And here they are. Okay. I am here with my son, Nathan, who's 19 and one of his roommates,
2: Maddox, who's also 19, right? And they have embarked on their first year of living in an apartment and cooking for themselves. So we thought it would be fun to chat with them about what it's like to cook for themselves, what's been working in the kitchen what th- awesome fails you've had so far what's it like
3: it's so much fun first of all it's way more like creative than going out is i feel like i, I can make what i want i don't have to worry about oh is it going to be good or not food does not last long enough you have to buy so much of it in <laughs> so much volume uh, so often and it's it's kind of painful dishes suck they suck a lot
2: but you have a dishwasher,
3: yeah, that nobody ever uses.
2: <laughs> really, yeah, nobody never.
3: nobody turns it on. Yeah, I, I, I always make like one dish whenever I'm like cooking, then, and then like put it in there, and then and then that's no, like one dish, and, and then insane. like no, but nobody starts it. So it's we like, wake up in the morning. It's like, oh my god, I gotta start this now. Yeah, that's a little annoying.
2: So you guys, there are four guys here, and you mm-hmm. have two refrigerators, which yep.
3: is oh, Godsend. That's right. so amazing. I I I alone fill half of mine. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah.
2: That's your allotment.
3: Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like half my freezer, which is good, because Carter loves to use the freezer, but I use like my top shelf and the side door shelf. I needed the we we needed two fridges. We would have no. starved to death. Yeah. Or fought now. over a space. Or yeah. Get your stuff out of here. This is moldy. Or it would have been whatever. bad. Whatever. The air fryer is crazy
2: crazy in a good way yeah, yeah of course
3: yeah much better than the than the convection bake oven yeah i gotta talk about that that oven
2: so this is a ninja convection no it's a, a ninja air, air fryer air.
3: yeah and it has so many settings you can yeah tea, it has you like can a do toaster <laughs> it. it has a you can like you dehydrated something at that I point did, yeah you can make beef jerky if you want the you thing de- is dehydrated kind of, something? i dehydrated chives yeah And it worked pretty well, actually. They were perfect.
2: I want to try it with strawberries.
3: Ooh.
2: I love, like, like crunchy strawberries.
3: I I wonder if you need to, like, freeze-dry strawberries. Because that's using heat to pull out the water. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll give you that. (laughs) Yeah. But I do love that because it works instantly. It heats up. It preheats in, like, three seconds. Yeah. It's insane. It's really You nice. can hit preheat, walk away, fill up the pan with, with, with what you need, walk back, and it beeps. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like 30 seconds to get to 400 degrees.
2: And it's a big enough appliance that you can put – because you're not cooking for each
3: other. You're cooking for yourselves. Right? Usually, we cook for ourselves. Yeah. Usually, yeah. you cook for yourself, but you make it in bulk. So, you just make okay. extra and you put it in tuckware and somebody else can eat it. Do you do that too? Yeah, well, sometimes like for like rice or like yeah, well, rice, rice we, is a, it, rice is a shared commodity. Yeah, uh, <laughs> me and Lucas split all the ground beef, all the yeah, ground bison, all the eat all the chicken, anything like that because it's it's gross to him. But yeah, right. he, he doesn't like cooking real food. No, he'd just rather just heat up some frozen stuff. Exactly. But me and Lucas have been sharing the protein. If we don't make bone broth rice, if we just do, like, regular white rice, we'll share with Maddox. Yeah.
2: Even the bone broth rice is difficult for you?
3: Well, bone broth, it's because... It has, like, 10 grams of protein. Yeah. Or oh, more okay. per cup, and there's four cups in the
2: thing. I think I've mentioned to people before that I've cooked... I've We've had you to the house... And that you don't eat protein, and so it's a little bit of a cooking challenge. Yeah. But I think you know when you're cooking for yourself, it's not a challenge. Obviously,
3: it's it's less of a challenge and more of a framework you have to go into it with. You have to think, well, how am I going to make this same meal that they're having, but without probably the main ingredient, the like protein, and still make it filling and and tasting edible. Yeah. Yeah. His formula is really bad. Oh, I, It's so sour and nasty. I tried it. Yeah. So, okay. So, I have... I'm sorry. What It's f- formula? Well, okay. It's, it's a powder. Like, it's okay. like a protein powder kind of thing. But it has amino acids that I wouldn't get out of normal food, usually. Okay. Because those foods that have those amino acids are super high in fee, usually. Like meats and big dairy. Soybean and... and- soy and yeah. beans. Anything like that. So, it's just kind of... Amino acid in a, in a drink and you mix it with water and he tried it. Because Nathan will eat anything.
2: Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah. But he was wondering what it was like. And I was like, go for it. Try it. And yeah, he didn't like it. Okay. Mm -hmm.
2: Okay. Nathan, what successes, what's really worked since you've been cooking for yourself?
3: Ground beef. That's like the go-to. Okay. If I'm hungry. You're Cost- always hungry. <laughs> oh, yeah. Costco. Yeah, that's true. Costco is great. Okay. Um, they have like, or- they have orange chicken that's like, you just freeze, air fry it. It's good. Making marinades is really nice because you can just like throw it in Ziploc and you- then you have chicken already marinating, ready to go. Yeah. Pasta is super easy. But no, food's super easy to make. It's just sitting there and actually doing it. Pasta is definitely a success. It's really easy and you can always find, like, a good sauce or something. And you can also add, like, bread to it. Have, like, a garlic bread or something like that. I also like tacos and burritos because like, you can put rice.
0: Yeah, you like put, like, mini
3: cheese Mini tacos are kind of super easy. They are really Because you, really you just easy. throw three of them in a pan and you throw some meat in the middle. It's, it's basically a taco. Right. Yeah. And I just throw, like, bell peppers and onions. I kind of saute them. Mm. It's super quick. And I really like it. And then I just make, like, guac or like, put guac in there or whatever. It works good. I mean, cooking for myself just kind of lets me pick when and, like, what I want to make. It's, it's easier that way. Yeah. That's, that, that's what I realized is how easy it actually is. It just sounds like a lot of effort to, like, get up. But like, you're not – it cooks it for you. You kind yeah. of just gotta like, get it in there. Yeah, you just put it where it needs to be. Yeah. <laughs> Press the right button, you know.
2: Have you had any epic – kitchen fails? Nothing
3: epic. People, me and Lucas, being the people, will leave the, uh, cast iron on heat because after we clean it, we season it with canola oil and we, like, leave it on the heat to, like, get the- I just want to give get, a
2: little shout out to myself that maybe that's our influence.
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh, to, like, get the water off the pin, will it leave it on, there? on, like, four, Uh, but then you forget about it. Mm. And there's been several occasions where we go, Hey Lucas, do you mean to leave this on? And we're, like, glowing red. We're like, uh... Yeah, I took that off. But nothing's exploded. Nothing... Well, one time Carter was cooking something in oil for some reason. Or he did something, and it kind of, like, popped, and he squealed. That was about (laughs) the extent... That was the extent of our kitchen mishaps. Um, No injuries? No. I mean, I, like, cut my finger loading the dishwasher with the... uh, Oh that ninja blender is crazy. It has like AI or something in it. It perfectly smoothifies anything I want. It, it like can like sense the viscosity or something. Yeah. Using big words. I know, right? <laughs> but the little spinny thing kinda of is sharp. Yes. The yeah. blade. Yeah. 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 Buy lots of Otter Pops. Are
2: you are you eating any vegetables? Oh yeah, so, we, have,
3: okay. we have so many carrot, I'm like, carrots. We are, we are money. He loves carrots. We just, I love love we, just yeah. them. we just eat. They are there, easy.
2: They sit, last for a long time. Sit there
3: with, with, with a bag of carrots between us and a cup full of ranch. We're there for an hour. Yeah, we're eating. <laughs> you know we have lunching. It's All delightful. Well,
2: Whoa. your kitchen is also very clean, which I think is partly because you knew we were coming but i'm impressed it's usually
3: pretty clean it's gonna be very clean this weekend because carter's not here yeah and lucas having less people making messages is always easy but that's the same at our house too i guess you have to learn how to deal with other people in the kitchen it's like an important thing to learn it's like having a child (laughs) exactly (laughs) they they know all about it right Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah Well, thanks,
3: you guys. Of course. Of course. Anytime. Right. Yep. There you have it. <laughs> Love being
0: there, So on the nightstand, I don't really have a theme this time. Just lots of really good books. I guess I'll start off with all my genre fiction. First of all, time for the Kinsey update. Art is for Ricochet by Sue Grafton, which, of course, I listened to. I think Sue got her groove back on this one. I enjoyed it much more than the previous one. Kinsey is hired by an old man to go pick up his daughter who was being released from prison. She, Reba, has been there for two years for embezzling money from her employer, but she's getting out now. She needs a ride back and dad wants her to have someone around to help her get settled and, you know, go see her parole officer and just for a few days. Kinsey thinks sounds like easy money and it is pretty much. She's a Delightful driving companion, and she thinks it's all done. But then one of Kinsey's friends shows up. He is a cop, and apparently, Reba's employer is under investigation by various federal agencies for money laundering, which apparently in the late 80s was a new crime. I did not know that. Very interesting. So the feds and the local cops are trying to close in on this guy. They would like an inside witness, and they ask. Kinsey if she would talk to Reba and get her to help out the feds with their case. And so away we go. So this one was actually, you might notice, not a murder mystery, (laughs) more of a heist one, which was kind of fun. Little battle of the wits. And actually, Kinsey is mostly just along for the ride. There are other people driving this adventure, which was kind of interesting. And I would say also, Sue got her balance between the personal and the professional back on track as well. That was still some of Personal things going on with Kinsey, but mostly it was about the adventure story. Thumbs up for that one. And we'll see what happens in the next one. I'm getting kind of close to the end now. I'm all sad. Like, is she, I, because I know there is no final book. And I don't know, was she planning to wrap things up? And I don't know, I might be kind of sad. Anyway, I still have plenty, plenty of books to get through. Another series that I continued October Day number 17 Sleep No More by Shannon McGuire the most wonderful time of year when her October Day book comes out. And actually, the funny thing, as I was reading this, I realized October reminds me a lot of Kinsey Millhone. They <laughs> both start off as private detectives. They're both kind of leap before you look. They're both sassy. They both wear a leather jacket that they got from their boyfriend. I mean, it was kind of eerie. Anyway, so October is a changeling. Her mother was a fairy, her father was human, and changelings in the fairy world are not looked upon very favorably, but that is changing because October is amazing and she's done all these great things. She has become a hero of the realm. She has... Gotten married recently. She is under the protection of the Sea Witch, who is one of the most powerful and oldest of the fairies. She's friends with various kings and queens and has brought other ones down. How many are in this series? Do you know? This was number 17. Oh my goodness. Yes. So I do think you do not need to go all the way to back to the beginning. Each book is its own little adventure. And Shannon gives you the details you need to make sense of who the characters are and their relationships. Because Reading 17 is a lot. I do think you will want to do that because the overall character arc is so amazing that that there's just so much stuff going on that you will miss out on if you don't read the whole thing, but you really don't have to. Every fourth book, there is something huge that happens. Huge character switch. Friends become enemies. Enemies become friends. Amazing big stuff. So the last one was number 16, big reveal and then we thought things settled down and then the last two pages shannon drops us into a cliffhanger so i've been waiting all year and what the cliffhanger is is october wakes up and she's in an alternate fairy world where it's all the same people that she knows but everything is very different and she doesn't remember any other world so she thinks this is the way things are she's very meek she's very grateful to be allowed to be in the fairy world she's basically the opposite of everything she was in the other books and everyone else is in this world and none of them remember it either so if you went in to read this one it would work but you're not gonna quite understand why it's important that Quinton is a jerk because he's like the sweetest most awesome kid in the regular books, but you're not going to get that. So you might want to go back at least one if this is your first one. I don't know that I would jump in at this one. Other than that, you could probably jump in anywhere else. It was great. I loved it. I mean, I'm just a fan of the series. It was nice to see Toby get turned back into herself because there was a lot of exciting things that happened in, in, in book 16. So you now I'll just have to wait for the next one. I have plenty of other things to read. One of which was Legends and Lattes by Travis Baldry. This was his debut. And I guess he started it as like a NaNoWriMo book and maybe self-published it. Or I don't know what a NaNoWriMo book is. Oh, uh, National Write-A-Book-In-A-Month. Oh. Month, uh, which is November. And people do it. It's like, write. Uh, basically, you try and write a book. Like, just write it if you've been thinking about it. And it's they have support groups. It's like wash November. Yeah, but for writing. I've heard of it before. I've never heard it vocalized, I guess. Oh. as a Oh, I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess it could be <laughs> pronounced a different way. That's how I pronounce it in my head. So anyway, he started as that and somehow it got picked up. And now he has a second book coming out. I think it just came out. This is super sweet. It is cozy fantasy. Just really sweet and warm. I really enjoyed it. So it is the story of Viv. She's an orc and she's been... A battle orc for hire so she'll go out and do bounty hunting and again with the (laughs) the private detective kind of bounty hunter (laughs) thing but she has retired now she has been saving her money and she has acquired a good luck charm and she is going she found a perfect town and she is going to go open a coffee shop except that nobody in this town knows what coffee is (laughs) so it all ends up being i mean so the coffee shop starts to grow her friends start to grow it's all about found family It's just very sweet and emotional and yet, you know, there's a little, there's some conflict. It's just really delightful. I've really enjoyed it. The next one is something about bookshops. So I'm very excited. I mean, as much as I love coffee, I probably love books even more. So I'm looking forward to reading that one. You know, if you're not sure you like fantasy, but you like, I don't know, cozy mysteries or something, this could be a good introduction. And then we get some literature starting off with No Two Persons by Erica Bauermeister, which I listen to, which I highly recommend. I think I probably picked this up on like a books that are good on audio, because it's technically interconnected short stories. And each of them is narrated by a different person. So you get the whole, whole thing. So there is a woman and she writes a book, and it's very kind of personal and so you get her story about the writing of the book. And then each of the following nine stories are about someone who reads the book and how it affects their life and, and what they get out of it and what they're thinking about. It is, it is, I would say, pretty sentimental, more than I usually enjoy. But the writing, I thought, was really good. It's all about books in, in lots of different ways. One of the, the people is um, like the agent that first reads it. And so she's, you know, she talks about being an agent and why she got into it and, and reading it for the first time. But she's also a new mother. So she's working at home and she's reading it at two in the morning while her kid is nursing and she's just exhausted. And so there's lots of, it's life and the books. There's a guy who is a movie star. Now he's reading audiobooks. So he's going to be the audiobook narrator. And this is the first time he's gotten kind of a literature type book. There's a guy who works in a bookstore who's selling it. You know, there's all these different kinds of people. And their stories, and then stuff about books. So it's kind of meta. And yeah, if you like books, it's also really exciting. And there were several stories where I was like, yes, that's exactly what it was like. So I read it in paper, that
1: book. Ah. It's
0: interesting that you felt like it was short stories. I didn't feel like it was short stories that there was an interview with the author afterwards, and that was what they called it. I would not have said it was short stories.
1: Yeah, I didn't feel like it was. I felt like the main character was that story that she wrote, and that was the through line for all of the other connection points.
0: Yeah, interesting. And the characters are... There's touch points between them. Some of them know each other, or, you know, they're somehow some connection. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess I could see why they are technically short stories. But yeah, it just felt like... You were just changing the points of view and not not a whole new story. That one was good, and I would recommend the audio for sure. And then Outer Sunset by Marc-Ernst Pothier, who is a local author, which is quite frankly why I picked this book up. And actually, my husband read it first, and I almost didn't end up reading it because he said it was really good. The writing's really good, but it's really hard, which is true. So this might not be for everyone. But yeah, the writing was really good. So it is a story of Jim Finley, who lives in San Francisco. He is a retired public school teacher, two grown children who still live in the Bay Area. His wife left him a few years ago, and he's kind of been recovering from that. That pushed his retirement forward, and his kids were worried about him. But he's a little bit back on a more even keel. But then his daughter comes to him and says that she has liver cancer, and it's not looking good. So then the the book is mostly about the family's journey with that. As you can see, not a book for everyone. But it was really, it was beautiful and kind of interesting to see it from the father's point of view. I think, I feel like a lot of times you get a mother-daughter relationship. And that also is in the book, the mother comes back, and you get kind of their relationship. But seeing just... A dad who was involved, you know, as a dad when the kids were little and is still involved in his daughter's life and they have a really good relationship. But him trying to figure out how to be what she needs and what does she need and what does and, you know, to a certain extent, what does he need as well? And he's also kind of starting a relationship with a a woman and then he's got his relationship with his son, his relationship with the city. Hmm. And, you know, so it was really beautiful. And it takes place in 1999. So historical fiction, I guess at this point, which is no crazy. way. I know. I, I told that to, to Simon. <laughs> He's like, that's not historical fiction. I'm like, mm, I mean, it's almost 25 years ago because the characters are talking about Y2K. And... It's not antique. It's vintage. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> if you can get past the uh, subject matter, there's a lot of beautiful things in there, and the writing was really good as well. And then finally, Land of Milk and Honey by C Pam Zhang. This is her second book. Just came out pretty recently. I'm hearing so many good things about this. Yeah, it's really good. Her first one was great as well. Totally different or different subject matter anyway. The style is is definitely, you can tell it's by the same person. First one took place in during the California Gold Rush, two little kids. This one is near future. A smog has covered the earth and so nothing can grow, which means we're also out of animals because it's nothing to feed them. And our narrator is a chef, which not a great profession to be in when there's no food. Scientists have created a basically like a protein flour, uh, which doesn't taste great, but will keep you alive. But then she gets an invitation to come be a chef, private chef, for a billionaire who has land on top of a mountain on the Italian border. And they're high enough up that they can get some sunshine. And they are growing things. His daughter is a scientist, so they're experimenting with food production, animal production, bringing back animals from extinction, and they need a chef to entertain make dinners for the investors. And it's a little wonky, a little weird, a little sketchy. But what else is she going to do? So she goes, takes the job. And yeah, it occurred to me later that it's really kind of a gothic novel. There's all this Mm -hmm. underlying creepiness and they're in a big house. And I think I didn't think of it because it's so modern. I mean, you know, it's not a a dark, it's really open house, but lots of weird things. And you know this from the beginning, she is writing it as a memoir when she's an old lady and looking back on what happened. And so, you know, something big is going to happen that everybody knows about. Like when they, if they know she was at this land of milk and honey, they want to know her story and this is her first time telling it. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. So much stuff about food. Do not read this while you were hungry (laughs) because she talks about All kinds of things. And in the acknowledgements, there's several uh, restaurants that CPAM thanks, I guess, because they inspired her. Several local ones here, too, because I think she's, I don't know if she's local local or she's lived here. Anyway, so yes, that one, really good as well.
1: Good stack. Yeah. Well, I want to start by saying that I'm doing something that I don't normally do. I, for the th- last three weeks, have been reading The Fraud by Zadie Smith.
0: <gasps> That's what I'm reading right now.
1: Okay. I am more than halfway through, and I feel like I am not fits and starts, but it's not as fast as I thought it was going to be, and it's kind of a big, chunky book.
0: 462 pages, I think.
1: And the library is nudging me hard. Oh,
0: mine's due today. <laughs>
1: Mine is three days overdue and I like it and I want to keep reading it, but I also feel like we have enough copies of it circulating that I can send it back and re-request it. And so I think that's what I'm going to do because I can't talk about three quarters or more than halfway of a book except to say that I like it enough to set it free and hope that it comes back to me. How about that? Okay. Now,
0: onwards. Interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting interesting read. Uh-huh. Okay, well we can talk about it next time.
1: I don't know that I'll have it done well, next I know, but time, I will. but but you can comment on what
0: okay. you've read. Okay.
1: So, my first book for you today, I only have 3 because I'm diligently working on the fraud. The Secret Book of Flora Leia by Patty Callahan Henry. I was hearing about this in little snippets That's here and familiar, there. Yeah. I think it's a new publication. This is about World War II, London, Oxfordshire, where they did the Operation Pied Piper and they sent the children from the city, they evacuated them to the countryside before the blitz and apparently historically they knew that hitler held oxford in high regard like he thought there were treasures there in the libraries and stuff and so they knew that oxford would not be a target and they and they really did send a lot of children there. But they just kind of put the children on a train and gave them blank postcards, and then the kids had to, like, send a postcard back to their parent with their new address. This is, like, next-level terrifying for me, and I had a really hard time with that. So we have two sisters, Hazel and Flora, who land with this delightful single mother and son. As you know, I struggle with the synopsis of a of a book. Not doing a synopsis. You're doing No, I'm doing an introduction. That's right. So it's not a spoiler for me to say that Flora goes missing. When we are introduced to Hazel, it's 20 years later and she has been looking for her sister ever since. So the great thing about this book is that there is Hazel works in books. She works in an old bookshop and she has access to really interesting materials. And that richness very much comes through the storytelling, the sisterhood, the drama and utter abject terror of that time period. And it is, it's a great read. It's, and for, though the material, the content is disturbing It's really well handled and it's not, it's not a gigantic black cloud, if you will. I really liked it. Then I listened to Practical Magic. Oh, getting your Halloween on. I am. So this is the 25th anniversary of Practical Magic. And when I was in college. My advisor was great friends with Alice Hoffman, and we all went to a reading when Practical Magic was published. Delightful. And then I saw the movie when it came out, and the movie is actually how I have been. I mean, I've watched the movie a dozen times. I hadn't gone back to the original book in all of this time, and this time I listened to it, and it was so surprising, just how different it is from the movie, how it's kind of it's not open door but
0: a little racier than you. It's remember. a little
1: racier than I remembered or maybe just the languages. It was so fun to re-listen or to re-read through my ears this book. It's so very seasonal for me. I adore Alice Hoffman. I want to revisit the whole Practical Magic trilogy again now. And it was a really fun listen. So here's to going back 25 years and resurrecting an oldie but goodie. And then I have Monica to thank because I don't know that I would have looked it up had she not nudged me. The second in the Cadence Island duology from Rebecca Ross. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) A Fire Endless is the name of the book. I had talked about a, A River Enchanted in our last podcast. And sure enough, I was able to get A Fire Endless in like two days after I requested it. This is book two of Jack and Adira and How to Mend a Curse Amongst the Spirits. I love magic. I love magic books. That's all there is to it. I just do. I devoured this on audio while painting fixing and painting my rabbit piece and my new still life and among working on nathan's big piece the panel that i'm working on i forgot to talk about that in the in the on the easel portion i'm making good progress i'll just say that this little set of books is really fun this one i was so sad that it's just a duology honestly, I could listen to a lot more about what's happening on this isle. There's a lot of sacrifice in this book. So the structure of the island is that there's these two warring clans or sides of the island that was previously, the borders are, I'm not sure. I think in the actual book, there's a map, Mm. which would be good, but I've just been listening to it. There's one side that is agrarian and likes music, and the other side that's sort of non agrarian and steals from the farms across the way, and they have banned music. And the music is important because our main one of our main characters, Jack, is a bard. And so that comes into play even more, if that can be said. In the second book, I was so invested in these characters and surprisingly upset over particular plot twists very thrilled with other outcomes Mm. (laughs) anyway if you have magic books send them my way because apparently this is my new thing well it's not a new thing because practical magic 20 years
0: 25 years strong so aside from not being able to see the map you liked the audio
1: I loved the audio. I was completely gripped. And any time that I was painting, I was listening to this and I would take it down when I was prepping dinner and doing dishes and other chores. But I really love it when I'm painting. It's very easy to go with the narrative. Right. Yeah. Cool. All right. Very transportive.
0: Maybe I'll, maybe I'll check out the audio because the book has been on my to be read for a while and I just keep putting it back on hold because there's other things that I want to read but maybe listening to it is the way to I loved it experience it cool complete fun excellent all right well we hope you enjoyed the interview and all, all our other chit chat and until next time make sure to do something you love every day thanks everyone bye can be found at craftcookreadrepeat.podbean.com. You can find us on Instagram as craftcookreadrepeat or CourtneySF, that's C-O-R-T-N-E-Y-S-F. On Ravelry, I'm Magdon, M-A-G-D-O-N. And if you have any questions or comments, email us at craftcookreadrepeat at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.